Hello and welcome to the first inaugural edition of the Lakerside Chats. I am your host, Alan Ramich. Brand new adventure that I'm looking to partake in. Very excited about starting this opportunity. With me today, I've got a very special guest coming from the West Coast of America. He's on a podcast that I listen to quite often, Hot Takes and Shot Fakes. Really good guy on Twitter. Suggest you give him a follow. Jabari Davis, how are you, my friend? Hey, Alan, I appreciate you having me on. I, I didn't actually realize this, that this was your inaugural episode, so I'm honored, truly. This is this is number one. This is number one, so I appreciate you being on. Oh, Could you give you. us a bit of background about yourself, just so that the listeners know about you as well? Sure. I've uh, you know I've been covering the NBA. I, I covered as a, you know an active member of the media for about five years, uh, but I've been doing it all, all in total for about seven years. These last couple of years, you know, I, I moved I moved away from Los Angeles, so I'm no longer in an NBA city. So I kind of took a you know took a back you know, you know in the background with it. Uh, the the fine folks at Hoop Mag reached out to me. I guess sometime almost this time last year and asked him if I might be interested in joining the podcast. And, you know, the rest is history. Josh is a great guy. You know, my co-host on there, you know, Jamie, you know, like I always say is the best producer in the business. And here we are. And now I'm talking to you. Yeah, it's a, it's a great podcast. I highly recommend everyone to listen to it. Non-biased takes, you know, very honest, very hard cutting opinions. So very, Big suggestion to everyone who's en- any any into the NBA. It's a definitely a must listen. Thank so, you. without further ado, <laughs> let's get on to my favorite team and yours as well, the Los Angeles Lakers. A very tumultuous time over the past four or five days. Well, the entire season, but in particular the first four or five days, starting with a particular Irving Magic Johnson stepping down. What did you think of the aftermath behind it and what how it went down? Because I woke up and I saw it and it was just crazy. But obviously you caught it in real time. So. Yeah, I happened to catch it in real time. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm getting ready to watch the other, it, they're, they're just before the final game. So I'm like, okay, let's do, let's give it a watch. It, you know, it's probably going to be a loss and ended up being a close game. They, you know, they ended up losing at the end. But, uh, you know, then somebody, you know, tweets out Magic Johnson impromptu press conference. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Is he jumping the gun on the Luke situation or, or what? And then all in the, all of a sudden, lo and behold, he says, "Hey, look, hey guys, I'm out of here." Essentially, so yeah, you know, I would say there was a bit of confusion, a bit of disappointment. Look, I, this isn't—it you know, wasn't even due to the decision because, like, honestly, at the heart of things, you know, it actually makes a great deal of sense when you kind of look at all the factors. But you know, the manner by which he elected, elected to do it, I don't think there's any way that you can spin it. I'm as big of a Magic fan as anyone else in the world. I grew up, I actually grew up watching him, you know, as, as, a, as a child. Uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I remarked on, my, on our show this past week that I can tell you, I remember exactly where I was when he announced that he, you know, he had the HIV virus and was leaving. And I can, I can tell you, I cried like a baby. So all of that to say, I, even me, the Magic stand, the, you know, you know, the guy that wants to make every excuse in the world for him, I was extremely disappointed, and no matter what, while obviously his playing legacy remains the same, there's no way that you can spin this to make it seem like this is not an absolute black eye on his professional legacy after the fact. It, it just it seems a very sour way for, in my opinion, he's the greatest Laker of all time, but it just seems like a very sour way for his tenure with the Lakers to end. I mean, especially because... 
So he always refers to Jeannie Buss as his sister. The thing that caught me the most was that he didn't tell her. Like, I couldn't believe that. Like, you, you, you say this is the closest confidant you have in basketball and outside the basketball world, outside of your family. You treat her like a sister and to drop this bomb on her. It was just a very surprising ordeal. I, I don't know what you thought about that fact as well. Lars. Just very that, surprising. That's absolutely what was so confusing about it. It's like, hey, look, okay, so it's one thing to do, you know, do this, pro this press conference without ele you know, electing to tell them. It's an entirely other thing to decide, oh, okay, this person that, as you just mentioned, I've been, you know, I've been familiar with and, and family with for the past 30, 35 years. You know, we came up together. I grew up with, you know, with her essentially in Los Angeles. And to do it like that, to be honest with you, the reason why it was so bad is – Look, there, 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 there's been talks and murmurings about the Lakers organization and dysfunction, you know, for the past, you know, several years. At the at the very least, what his presence did, at least initially, was seemingly kind of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, dissuade folks from, you know, from continuing that narrative. This put it right back out there. You made it. You made your sister, your friend, your confidant, all of those things. You made her look foolish, and it just made it look like there's still a lack of entire, a lack of connectivity and a lack of communication at the top of the organization. And it's just embarrassing to see. It was the biggest thing that got me was when he seemed like almost apologetic when he was talking about having to deal with people's livelihoods, and I, I, I kind of assumed that was about Luke Walton. When, when he said that, and I, I, I automatically assumed, does that mean that he didn't want to fire him or whether that was something that Genie was pressing? It was very ambiguous, the stuff that you were saying. And the, the thing that got me about it most was it's like he lacked like a view of what the president of basketball operations entailed in the NBA. Like he thought this was basically like being a minority owner for the Dodgers, whereas while it has a glamorous title name, it's anything but if you actually read reports into how much hours these guys do when it's the nitty-gritty of the season when it's trade deadline free agency draft these dudes are doing like 85 90 hour weeks it ain't a glamorous job and i feel like he completely missed the mark when it came to stuff like that see but, the thing that's an excellent that, that's that's an excellent point and, and, and just quickly the thing about that is you know there, there are two different conversations to be had i think magic is, you know, he's a hard worker. I think he is a grinder, but I don't think he's the type of guy that wants to do that. And you're exactly right. That's what was confusing about it. Leading in, like leading in, it was kind of like, did nobody discuss with Magic exactly what the role was? Did he, you know, what was it presented as? You can still be Magic. And 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 look, I don't want to speculate on, on whether or not you know that he was confused about you know going in, but it does it it does kind of it it, it is kind of confusing when you look at it as. You didn't know that you couldn't talk to other players anymore. You didn't know that you were going to have to be in office and and be on scouting trips and be on recruiting trips and things of that nature. Like I, I don't know it, 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 it it's all disappointing. It, like I said, I love Magic Johnson, and when I grew up, I mean, I was in England, but I grew up being a point guard and idolizing Magic and the no look passes, the showtime. So I really wanted this to work out. But there was always alarm bells, like when he trades D'Angelo Russell. I'm, I just want to put it out there. If you go back on my timeline, I was always a huge D'Angelo fan. I don't know about yourself. Mm -hmm. I was, I was always very high on D'Angelo, and I always thought, just give this kid time. If you give this kid time, he will blossom into what we're seeing right now in Brooklyn. And 
I, I, oh. I agree with you on that. I was big on him coming out as well. I But this here's all, here's another thing we also have to be – I recognize, like, on social media, you know, there's, there's no context that's presented. If we go back and we're honest about that situation, it wasn't simply just a matter of, of, of trading somebody that they didn't think was talented. There were other circumstances that were surrounding that. Surrounding that. So it, it it's disappointing that, that they let go of D'Angelo and he ended up, you know, uh, performing so well. I don't know if uh, I know that he said he doesn't have any regrets. Uh, he said a lot of things in that press conference. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of things kind of like over the course of the summer he doesn't necessarily backtrack on, but he kind of clarifies. And uh, you know the the whole like I have no regrets thing, whether he acknowledges that D'Angelo was a bad trade or not. You, there's no way in the world that you that he can say that the the Mascala for you know, Zubac you know, trade was something that you wouldn't have any regret on. That was the biggest one for me. That that was the one where, you know, I was at work and, um, you know, as you do, you know, you turn on the notifications on the trade deadline. You're waiting for Woj and Shams and with the whole AD thing at the time, you you never knew if a deal was going to break or not. So you're, you you see the Lakers have made a trade. And then when I saw Mike Muscala, I was like thinking, okay, what's that? Like maybe a future second round pick. That was a guy that the Clippers were probably going to look to cut anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we tried arguably our most promising big man for Mike Mascala, who was MIA until the last three, four games of the season, which was very weird. I thought it I thought it was like, okay, well, this means that another deal is coming, clearly, because they, they wouldn't just do this for a guy that is basically like a G League guy. Like uh, Travis Ware still exists. I don't see why you couldn't just work him well, you work him into the mix rather than doing that. It 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 there are a lot of things about the past year that are just very confusing. And, and you know, some would say the past few years, but definitely over the past stretch, the past year. Don't get me wrong. I'm always appreciative of the man bringing us LeBron James. Like, th- that, that's a big move. But I, I feel like that's what, he's, that's what he thought the role was. He comes in maybe once or twice a month. I don't want to speculate him by that, by the way. I don't know if that was, like, how much he came in. But by all accounts, if you're reading... All the reports on the Athletic, on ESPN, and whatnot. That's what he did, basically. And he thought that he'd come in in the summer when it's free agency time, and he just does the pitch because he's Magic Johnson, and he comes in and he seals the deal, which is much more of a minority owner than it is a president of basketball operations role. The thing that he does with the Dodgers, anyway. That's what it seems like to me, anyway. I think you're exactly right about that. And to be honest with you, that's the role that I want him in. Like, quite frankly, and, you know, like I jokingly said it on Hot Takes this week, but, you know, out, you know, leave, vacating the job, he can be more effective at that role. Now he can go and talk to opposing players. Now he can go and interact with folks. And he doesn't have to be have any official title. And, and, and you know what? Folks may be, you know, maybe, you know, like kind of like frown up about hearing this. But trust me, folks, this happens around the league. This is you know, it, it's the thing that honestly, I, I think you're right. I think he thought he was going to be able to do maybe not as freely. But I think he thought that it was it was simply going to be about selling when in the room. And again, that's the role. That's the exact role that you want him in. The biggest thing with Magic is I don't feel like he's a stupid person in the slightest. No. Seen a lot of things on Twitter. Twitter's well, there's a lot of good stuff on Twitter, and there's a lot of good people to follow. It's also a mm-hmm. pool of vitriol and hatred, and yes. the biggest hot takes which don't help anything, you know. So I don't think he's a stupid person. 
I feel like he thought he could do everything at once and then realised he can't juggle all these responsibilities. He, he's not the type of guy to be doing 90-hour weeks in the NBA. No. You, you, you don't get to Magic Johnson's level, you know what I mean, across the board, whether as a player, as, you know, as a businessman, as, you know, <laughs> I was going to say as an executive, but honestly, just the overall success that he's had in life being a stupid person. You just don't. It may have been naive of him to think that he would be able to just kind of like, you know, do it at his own pace, but it's absolutely not because of stupidity. Absolutely not. And I agree with you there. Leading on from Magic Johnson, though, we've had another stepping down, firing, mutual decision of Luke Walton stepping down. Uh, Sam Amick has been reporting that he's going to be conducting an interview very soon with the Kings, which I have no doubt that in the next few days, unless something goes wrong, he'll be announced as the Kings head coach. What do you think of that? What do you think of Luke Walton leaving? And what were your opinions of him at his time in Los Angeles? I, you know, his first two years, I was a fan. I, you know, I was a fan. I was a fan of what he did. I'm, a, I, 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 I remain a fan of Luke Walton. I just say that from the start. But I was a fan of what he did the first couple of years because I think that type of team makes a lot of sense for him at this stage as he's continuing to develop, as he's continuing to, you know, to to round out as a coach. Uh, which is why the Sacramento Kings situation is absolutely perfect, if 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 you know, in my opinion. Um, I know some people, you know, might you know might be of the opinion that you know a more experienced coach, because they're 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 ready for that next step, would be in line. But I think actually Luke, you know, I think Luke's the right guy for that. Um, it, it, in terms of the Lakers, it makes sense. Look, it was obvi- it was evident from the start of this year that Luke was not going to be the guy moving forward. And wh- regardless of how you feel about that, it, it just is what it is. You know, we know when new front offices come in, you know, establish are, are establishing themselves. More often than not, not always, but more often than not, they want to go with you know, in a direction of their own. It, it's just that simple. Um, so you know, for you know, for that plus the fact that. This was all of a sudden turning into completely you know, a completely different ball game in terms of like no more you know no more talking about development no more talking about like you know, you know inching things along and all of a sudden you know you bring in LeBron James and it and it's go time uh, it it just made sense that Luke wasn't going to be there you know like ultimately uh, but I have no idea what to think you know like uh, of what their search might look like you know we've heard we've heard names like Ty Lue and Monty Williams thrown out there amongst reports and you know what. It, who knows? Is, is that pin? Is that contingent upon Rob Palinka actually being involved in a coaching decision? Is you know, if Rob's not there, will you know, will the other people you know, will, will whomever his replacement or the replacements of the front office be? Will they also be? He'll have those guys in mind. I'll just say this: the Ty Luke mentioned that makes a lot of sense because you know he's his name has been in the mix you know for the better part of six months now. That would obviously be a selection with LeBron in mind. And, but on the on the flip side of that, the Monty Williams thing, and this is something that you know, it's, it's funny because you, you know, you know, you're talking about Twitter. I've seen this thrown out there and I agree with it. That would seemingly be a candidate with developing the young talent in mind, meaning maybe they weren't going to make that deal or perhaps even with the idea of swinging the ultimate AD deal. So those two names are intriguing to me, but there's really no way of knowing until we find out ultimately what Genie's going to do with that front office. The biggest thing for me with Luke is, I feel like he wasn't putting a. I'm a basketball coach myself, just to explain a little mm-hmm. bit of things, and I don't feel like he was put in a position to succeed at the start of the year. He was brought in by Mitch Kupchak and Jim Bus mm-hmm. to have multiple lottery pick, 
weeks for this to be a slow burner not a not a slow burner rebuild but a transition from rebuilding to being quite a fun team which we were for two years people seem to forget that the yeah. second year of luke walton when lonzo was first drafted and we mm. had bi finally stretching out and coos was hitting the heights that he was in his first year and josh hart was that dogged rookie but he's more like a veteran than he was a rookie it was a fun time it's really oh, yeah. fun time to watch the lakers no, it de- it definitely was, and 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 that's the thing. Like, even though I agreed with you know letting Luke go, I'm not saying that Luke's not a good coach and that Luke didn't do a good job. I just don't think he was any. I don't think he was ready. He was the right person for this particular job anymore. That you know, I it, it's also why I, you know. Spoiler alert: I think if he gets that Sacramento job, I think the Kings are in the playoffs next year. They were right there on the cuffs, and you know, with natural progression and natural you know like improvements along the way, plus you know, plus a a very motivated Luke and whatever whatever his staff is going to look like, I think that you know, I think that would ultimately be you know really good for them. Well, there was talk about when Luke left Golden State before, obviously, he agreed to join the Lakers. There was talk about him going to Sacramento that year that Sacramento were very interested in him. So it doesn't surprise me now that all of a sudden he's available again and Vlade decided that Dave Yeager, who he's had a lot of confrontation with, it seems like, over the last year, was the wrong person for the job. And it's time to bring in someone who's a bit more of a... From what I've seen from Dave Yeager, he's a fantastic like X's and O's coach. He seems to know really well what he's doing on that side. Mm-hmm. But he seems to be a bit lacking, especially in Sacramento and previously in Memphis. He doesn't seem to be a great... I don't know what you think about, but I feel like Luke Walton will get in there. He'll, as long as his staff changes, as long as he doesn't have the same staff as his Arizona buddies, uh-huh. I feel like he could do quite a good job in Sacramento. I think so, which... And I'll be really happy to see it, to be honest. No, I, I, I fully agree. I'll, I'll say this. I, you know, when it comes to Jaeger and, and just some coaches in general... It seems like some of them are very good X's and O's guys can and can even be good with the talent. But some folks simply don't manage up well. You know, Luke is a guy, he manages up well. He's a guy that, you know, even Magic was say, saying the entire year, that, or essentially saying the entire year that he wanted to get rid of him, still didn't want to at the end because he's such a good guy. So I don't think I don't think Luke would have the same types of issues. Uh, especially, you know, learning from any, you know, especially you taking the lessons that he's learned from this experience as well. I don't think Luke would have any type of issues, you know, moving forward. So, in an ideal world where you could pick any candidate to be the Lakers head coach, who would you pick? Well, uh, in an ideal world, honestly, um, and this is cr- it's crazy. It's not going to happen. But I'd like them to steal a, steal a coach. Like we're they're always talking about st- you know stealing other people's players. I'd rather them steal a coach, and I'd rather it be <laughs> somebody like Eric Spolstra, somebody that's established. Um, again, that's not going to take place. So I- I'll leave that alone. Um, you know, it's the reason why I I wasn't I didn't I didn't hate the idea of Doc. It's the reason why you know look hey anyhow. Of the candidates that are out there, I ultimately think it's going to be Ty Lue. And I know that, you know, he's he's the butt of a lot of jokes. You know, you, you, you know, all the dating all the way back from Iverson stepping over him and all of that. And, you know, and some of the things that took place in Cleveland. But the one of the things I, I like to remind folks is he look when LeBron was able to win in Cleveland, it was with Ty Lue at, at, you know, as his coach. It's also why, to be honest with you, you know, when you when you ultimately get to the GM you know, uh, you know, conversation, it's also why David Griffin was such an 
intriguing piece to me because I thought, well, maybe they're going to try to bring that, you know, essentially that that triumvirate, you know, back together where the last time LeBron was successful, he had Griff in the front office as well as, excuse me, as well as Ty Lue on, on the sideline. But Lou, look, I'm looking, you know, if you're the, if you're looking at this Lakers team, while yes, all of the young talent is still there, and yes, there's a you know there, there there's a chance that they remain on the roster next year. It looks like the, you know, it, it it apparently excuse me it, it at least looks like they'll tr- you know try to continue to make that deal or make a deal or some deals you know in order to you know kind of expedite the process, especially with LeBron James having into a 17th year. So Lou makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I don't, wi- I'm not wishing that it, all the, all the youngins are gone, but honestly, it would kind of surprise me, you know, if they are here next season. My, my biggest thing with T. Lou is you can't win an NBA championship being a bad NBA coach. I don't care if yep. you have the best talent in the world. Mark Jackson had it near enough. I, I think Mark Jackson's a good coach, but I don't think he's a fantastic coach. Mm-hmm. Mike Jackson near enough the same talent as Steve Kerr. He wins goes from forty seven wins to sixty seven wins. Yep. Kurt There's... Rambis, Kurt Rambis, his final year as the Lakers coach, and then they, and then they bring in Phil. They win the title that next year. Like it, it, Phil replacing uh, was it Doug Collins? Yeah. Uh, Any time you when you make that upgrade at that coach at the coaching spot. Uh, it, it is it, it is significantly different. Buttonholes are over you know Dwayne Cage you know not not Dwayne Cage excuse me over Jason Kidd last year. Well, when you look at the parallels, like David Blatt was brought in, like mm-hmm. the Lakers brought in Luke Walton in Cleveland to coach a bunch of young guys, and then he gets LeBron and exactly. Kevin Love and Kyrie, and then all of a sudden the expectations are different. You're not there to coach anymore. You're there to man-manage and get these guys to the promised land. Absolutely. Which I think David Blatt was ready for, especially just coming from Europe. I think he's a fantastic coach, but it wasn't the right situation for him. One name that I would potentially be interested in whether it would be attainable or whether people would get behind it would be a guy that was on the Lakers coaching staff when Mike Brown was the head coach, the lead assistant of the Spurs, Atori Messina. Sorry. Yeah. I Look, I, it, it's, you know, what's intriguing to me about him is the fact that he has not gotten that opportunity yet. And the reason why I say that is he, it was, his name was seemingly out there. He was hot. I'm talking, you know, all the way back from 2014, 2015, um, you know, and, and you know, all throughout and he's had some interviews, but he hasn't gotten the gig. And you know, with with, with NBA teams clearly taking and, and and when I say taking chances, I mean finally breaking the mold of just recycling old guys. But you know, clearly working in new guys, it's surprising to me that he hasn't gotten that opportunity yet. I would not I, look. I wouldn't hate the idea, and I would certainly be intrigued. But you know, but I, I only throw that out there because that's so in, you know because you know the fact that that has intrigued me in the past. From the European side of things, from what I've heard of Messina is, again, you can take this with a pinch of salt. He's been very selective. He's interviewed for jobs just for the sake of going through that process. Mm. But he's been very selective because he realizes how good a deal he has with the Spurs and how good an opportunity he has to overtake Popovich once Popovich decides to hang it up and go into the sunset with Timmy D and the rest of them. So if you're a Tory, if you're a Tory, would you really ultimately consider this exact Lakers situation? <laughs> With Rob Palinka as the general manager, yeah, I wouldn't be so sure. But yeah, we'll, but that that's the next topic that I was going to get on, which is a nice segue, to be honest. Got you. <laughs> What is going on with Rob Palinka and Jeannie Buss and Linda Rambis? 
I, I your guess is as good as mine, but honestly, look, it it it, it ultimately comes down to like, hey, look, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, when 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 Magic quit, I thought, okay, well, Palinka has to be next. Then we didn't hear anything. Then they put the statement out, you know, you know, you know, kissing up, or excuse me, you know, kissing and making nice with Magic, and and kind of like, you know, uh, you know, smoothing that out. But then you start to hear rumblings of, you know, Palinka might, you know, es- you know, make elevating power. Now, uh, you know, Ramona was was kind of the first person. Ramona Shelburne, you know, the uh, incredible ESPN, you know, reporter, was the first person that I saw say that. And then she kind of circled back and said, "Well, you know, it just means like in the interim. It doesn't necessarily mean you know get a you know get a promotion." But now we're starting to hear that they are that there is a potential that he's consolidating power. And if that's the case, my goodness, um, I, I I hope, <laughs> hey, I hope I'm wrong and a lot of other people are wrong. And you know he knows what he's doing and he'll you know get the right you know you know person in the GM role uh, and and everything will be fine. But I can tell you. I am nowhere near as confident or even as optimistic as I was, uh, you know, say 18 months ago. My biggest thing with Palinka is all these leaks are coming out, all these rumors, all these reports. You, you can never say how true some of these things are. Of course. Has there been one positive thing about Palinka said in the past few weeks? Um, No. Like, even in the sense that and I get why they, you know, the Lakers didn't come out and, and speak publicly. You know, like even at the exit interviews the very next day, I I get it. I didn't like it, but I got it. But even in even in the aftermath, you like you didn't hear any. Like honestly, if Rob were really gonna step up, that kind of could have been a moment where you know he showed some he showed uh, you know some stability. He showed some hey no hey you know you know what I'm I'm gonna harken back. Kobe 0, uh, 01 or no uh, 2000 finals after Shaq fouled out in that first game in uh, in Indiana. Indiana, yeah. He could have that was Rob's opportunity to step in and say, "Hey, I got this guys, I got this guys," and we didn't hear anything. But it wouldn't surprise me if he is operating, uh, you know, uh, you know, overtime, you know, behind the scenes. It wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, you know, he made certain to let Jeannie know, you know, just where his loyalty stands. And I'm sure he probably, you know, that you know, had, has uh, at least attempted to sell her on his vision of what these Lakers, you know, can and will look like moving forward. And honestly, part of me worries that Jeannie is going to be in a situation where she says, well, we can't have this much change right now. And she might go ahead and lean on, on Rob Palinka in that role. And look, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope a lot of Twitter and I hope a lot of social media, as well as a lot of actual experts at this, are wrong uh, in that Rob can get the job done. Did you catch what Woj said last night on the Sedano show on ESPN LA? I did not. What did, uh, what did Woj say? Woj says it seems like they're not going to make any, for right now, it seems like they're not making any attempts to hire a president of basketball operations, and it seems like Palinka's just consolidating power right now. Yeah, see, that's, uh, <laughs> you know what, it is important to reiterate what you said, because it was an excellent point. You never know what to truly, under, you know, what to truly believe, because there are always multiple factions spinning and putting stuff out there and leaking stuff around the way. So, I, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe Jeannie's going to surprise us on Monday and say, hey, you know what? You know, I, I I thought about it, and this is the this is the direction. This is what I see for this organization. Yada yada yada. I'm not gonna hold my breath for that to take place, but may, maybe. Um, yeah, man. If if it ends up being that, like I said, I just hope uh, I hope they really know what they're doing. 
The worst thing is, you're getting all these leaks and rumors from Woj, from The Athletic, from all these sites. Mm-hmm. That all the top elite executives are interested in being the president of basketball operations. So it makes no sense. That, that's, that's also another reason why uh, it, it, I'm hesitant to really truly believe in the full-on you know, uh, Rob rumors. Because if you're Jeannie... If you're Linda, like you know, Linda Rams, you know, if 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 you're in, if you're in that role right now, you have to hear all of this. Maybe it's just that they want to step back and make the truly make the right decision. Maybe they want to take their time with it, and I get that and I respect that, especially if ultimately they make the right decision. But if they just if they're just silent on this and they don't do anything, and then we're sitting here like a month from now and they just kind of quietly release that, yo, Rob's gonna be the guy. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'll be disappointed. My biggest thing is. We got. I don't think they smoke without fire. Mm-hmm. And when Marcus Thompson from the Athletic, who does a fantastic job with the Warriors, I don't know if you're familiar with. Oh yeah, him. absolutely. He's brilliant. If you are on the Athletic, if you're not joining on the Athletic, they're brilliant. The the journalists, the journalism they do on that on that website is amazing. Yep. There's no smoke without fire. If Bob Myers wasn't interested in the Lakers front office gig, he wouldn't be. I don't think it's him directly, but his people around him are leaking. Yeah, he'd be interested in going to the Lakers. Look, if the if the, if there's truly a chance, because and that's funny, because um, I, I was going to I was gonna you know kind of run through the guys because just saying that like I have no idea whether they are interested, but if there's truly truly a chance to poach a Bob Myers, uh, then if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, you absolutely do anything and everything in your power to do it. I don't so- know. I don't know if it's 100%. I mean, look, because there's one thing. He could say, yeah, hey, I, I could be interested in a conversation, but that doesn't mean, hey, look, I'm really going to leave this incredible run that we have right now, the infrastructure set up exactly as I wanted to go down there to fix, you know, to fix your mess. So who would be your ideal candidates? Obviously, Myers would be one of them, but there'd be other names around the NBA who you'd definitely be interested in. I'd be interested in Sam. I'd be interested in Sam Pressy. I'd be interested in Daryl Morey, of course. I mean, but again, I have no idea whether those, you know, those are realistic options. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Here's and here we go. I don't know what's going to take place, but I'll say this: I this is a scenario I would not be opposed to. Jeannie, go out and truly mend the fence with Jerry West. Have him return in a president of basketball ops role for just a two year run with that that type of stretch in mind. Just in order to settle things down and sort and right the ship, so to speak, all while grooming, f- continuing to groom guys like Ryan West, who's an assistant or associate GM right now, Joey and Jesse Bust over that stretch. They're fantastic I, at the job I've with the I've never team. been a fan of always just looking for old Lakers guys, but these are Lakers guys that are been within the organization their entire run. They obviously they, they know something because those are a lot of those guys are you know in player development and 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 scouting. Um, why not do? Why not go that route? Like you said, the the the, the younger Bus brothers and Ryan West did an amazing job with the scouting system. With yep. the G League team. That's another thing where I don't think Magic Johnson was watching the South Bay Lakers much. Probably. Watching Alex Caruso and Jamario Jones and these guys actually ball out this year. Why didn't why when when um when Lonzo first went down, why didn't they bring Caruso up immediately? 
Sorry. Yeah. See now, see now we're talking about the actual season that that I was just disgusted by. It made no sense whatsoever to be playing Rondo like 38 minutes a night when you had Caruso there. You could have actually kept Rondo in his same exact role and started Caruso. But anyway. the worst thing is, I don't think Rondo would have minded that. I think Rondo's fully come to terms now. He's not the same player he was seven, eight years ago. He's a mentor to these young guys now. He wants to help them as much as possible. But here's the problem, though. I hear, I hear what you're saying in terms of, like, Magic probably wasn't watching those games, and no, he wasn't. But actually, remember, Magic's the guy that you want in the room to talk to free agents and get and get guys that, you know, to come. I expect Rob Palinka to be the guy looking at roster guys. I expect Absolutely. Rob Palinka to be better at actually formulating a roster and not, you know, deciding to give Rondo $9 million a year and not deciding to give, you know, uh, 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 Michael, Mike Beasley, you know, whatever they gave him and Lance Stevenson overpaying him instead of other alternatives that are out there. I'll be honest with you. That's the, that's the, the people may think that I'm just riding the wave of like, oh, it, it, it's, 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 um, it's uh, popular to you know to bash Rob. No, it's because I've been having I've had these thoughts you know for the past couple years in particular, especially this year, and I've I've got some serious questions about his ability to do to fulfill the role. My biggest question is why didn't they sign Julius Randle to a four year forty eight million dollar contract <laughs> when he wanted to? I I I, I got nothing, man. I got. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really got nothing. I, I, um, he's a legit small ball center now, which is crazy thinking about the turn he's had when he first came into the NBA being this weird hybrid between a three and a four who was like a bull, like strong. And now what? He's a perfect small ball center to have on any team. Um, yeah, I mean, look. Um, or letting Brooke Lopez walk. Yeah, yeah, that, that made no sense whatsoever. Brooke Lopez would have been perfect spreading the floor for LeBron. Would, you know, he, he'd still, God, it, they made so many mistakes this, you know, the, you know, this year that again, like I said, I know Magic is a, is an easy scapegoat. The guy that's still, that too. guy Rob hanging Rob. out is the guy that I actually hold more accountable for roster construction. Uh, my my biggest thing is. Brooke made enough noise throughout this season and in the offseason as well, before oh, yeah. free agency started. He wanted to stay as a Laker. He didn't want to leave yes. anywhere. Yes, and he signed, He ended up signing a one-year deal, right? One year, like, four and a half million. Don't quote me on that, but, like, yeah, like just same, near enough the same deal that Lance Stevenson signed. Wow. You signed Brooke, you, you, you re-signed Brooke Lopez. You don't end up having to... Uh, you know, you don't end up having to trade Zubac in order to simply get a guy that can spread the floor. Don't get me wrong. I think signing JaVale was actually, until he got pneumonia and then recovered from it. Oh, yeah. I thought JaVale was fantastic this year. Ja- JaVale was phenomenal when he was, you know, when he, you know, when it was clear that he was fully, you know, healthy and and and, and there. You're you're exactly right. It it seemingly took forever to recover from that pneumonia, but when he did, he also returned to form. I, you know, I wouldn't have had a problem with Lopez, Javale, and Zoo on the on the roster. You wouldn't have needed you, you you don't need the Tyson Chandler deal, which quite frankly, outside of that block in like his third game, you got nothing from him throughout the course of the year as in terms of an on the court product. Off the court, he seems like the nicest guy in the world and the best veteran presence you can have in an NBA locker room. Absolutely. So, like when I say that, I that's why I specified as an on the court product. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's just when you just just decipher all this. Uh, I don't know. It's just. It is it is it. Do we look at it too much into detail, or is it just so obvious that 
not just Magic, but Rob Palinka as well. They just seem really incompetent at their jobs. You know not what stupid. it is? I, I, I never mind when folks want to get innovative and want to say, okay, let's have, you know, let, let's go with something new. I don't mind that, but as president of basketball operations, as well as your GM at the same time, with no experience in those roles, while I was I, I, I was hopeful leading in, I now recognize, yeah, the folks that looked at that and, and, and turned their nose up and said, hey, well, you know, wait a second, um, they were right. That that's that, that that's too it's especially given the circumstances that they were coming into. It wasn't like they were taking over for a well a well run machine or a well well old machine. They were taking up they were taking over for chaos. So yeah, they they look look, they did some things right. Uh, you know, honestly, currently, even with the way magic left, uh, you know, and I'm circling back here, even with the way he left and, and being disappointed in it and everything, the Lakers are in a better spot now than when Magic stepped into his role. They are. Okay. Nobody can deny that. You still have LeBron James. You still have that young talent. Regardless of you know, like if, if everybody wants to agree on you know how good that young talent is, they are good. You know, they, there's something there. Uh, you also have cap space. I don't know what they're going to do with it moving forward, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do anything moving forward. But at least they have that. My biggest thing is. People severely underrate these talents. I don't think Kuzma's an all-star level talent like Magic Johnson was saying, by the way. But this dude's a legit good player in the NBA. He's a guy that's going to be in the league and, 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 and going to be in a rotation, not just on a roster, but in a rotation for the next 10 years. And honestly, any and and and, and he's a guy that and he look, I don't know that he's ever going to reach all-star level, but I will say this: he's a guy that can get you 20 a night. And while that's not, you know, that's not, you know, that doesn't mean the same as it did, like, say, in the late 90s or, late, or even in the aughts. It's still it, it's still meaningful for teams. He's a guy that whether, you know, whether you have him in your starting lineup or off your bench, he can go out and get you buckets. And that does still mean something for teams. And I feel like he's a super smart player as well. He doesn't just jack stupid shots and then, you know, he's not like a, uh, Nick Young when Nick Young was in his prime at the Lakers. No, 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 no. He, uh, what's it called? Uh, no, no. It, he's very, he's clearly skilled. He's clearly, you know, he's clearly, uh, clearly has a head for the game. And to be honest with you, even though he's already, what, 24, you know, 23, 24, yeah. he's already in that range. I do still see room for growth in his game. I, I know that he didn't have quite the leap that folks were expecting this year. The injuries and you know, the, the, nag, you know, the nagging you know, like injuries, I think that played a role. But also just the circumstances, I absolutely think that factored in. Look for him in year three, to you know, like, honestly, to take that step that a lot of people were looking for. And then, hey, if he does actually take a step, then maybe we are talking about all-star type play. Maybe not actual all-star, but all-star type play. Speaking of all-star... If Brandon Ingram maintains that play that he had after the All-Star break, there's an All-Star play right there. Man, Brandon Ingram is nice. I've been on the Brandon Ingram train since his rookie year. I was that guy going on radio shows because I was still covering actively then. I was that guy going on radio shows saying, look, I know that you guys don't see this because people were just looking at his numbers and or, or box score hunting. And, and I do recognize you're not going to watch a bad Lakers team and really pay attention to the rookies. But Brandon Ingram showed promise in, in year one. Brandon Ingram in year two showed me, oh, OK, he showed little flashes. Year three, you're exactly right. That, especially in that in that post All Star uh, stretch, that was the guy that all of a sudden it's like, hey, wait a second, maybe you don't want to lose that guy. He's got it. He, 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 yep. First time I watched him after that All Star break, I was like, he's finally put everything together. 
Mm-hmm. Finally got the shot working. He's got the. He was very good defensively as well. That's overlooked a yeah. lot. He, he was shaky in the first couple of years, but I feel like that's because he didn't put on enough muscle. He wasn't strong enough to actually play defense against some of these stronger NBA dudes. Yep. But as as well, the the most frustrating injury for me was Lonzo. <sighs> yeah. Look. Look, I'm just gonna say this. You know, and I was holding off saying it. You know, un, you know, until the stuff took place. I'm glad he's done with this triple B. So, but just to be clear, I wanted it to work because I was happy. I was hopeful. Again, a young guy trying to do something new. I'm all for it. It didn't work out, and I and honestly, the reason why I'm glad he's done with it is because I don't want him wearing those shoes anymore. Wear some shoes that have been established. I, look, you can sprain your ankle in any in anything. You can hurt yourself and tweak things in anything, but. Let's not, you know, let, let's not tempt fate here. So, yeah, no, I. it's very disappointing. Not only was he playing extremely well, not only was he finally showing, you know, showing folks, oh, I can, not only can I do this a game here, a game there, I can put together three and four and five game stretches where all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what they were talking about. So, yeah, like you, that was the most disappointing injury. And I'll take it a step further for you. While LeBron James was the, the team's best player, of course, any team LeBron James is on, at least for, at least for right now, he's going to be the best player. Lonzo Ball was their most impactful player for a lot of different reasons on both sides of the court. And his loss was the one that really made it to where it didn't matter after that. My my biggest thing with Alonso is you really can't name that many point guard defenders that are better than him. He's in. The, he, he's He's already in a conversation as a top three defending point guard at this point. Which is crazy because yep. the dude's 21 years old. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And hasn't but, figured it out yet. He he does a lot of this off instincts. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't even fully learned the game on either side of the court yet, and that's the reason why there's a you know there's a lot of room for optimism there. My biggest barometer on how much you watch Laker games is what you think Alonzo Ball. Because if you watch Lonzo, you're like, this kid is an he's gonna be an elite player. He might not be an elite scorer, he's an elite player in this league, though. Yep. He, he is absolutely going to be Unless, obviously, God forbid, injuries still continue to be his Achilles heel. Uh, he's absolutely going to be an elite player in this league. And it just shows, again, how well our scouting system works. Because... That I... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go on, go on. No, no, no. I, I, I was just... I was just I, I'm chomping at the bit because, I look, I, I'm a Lonzo fan and I wanted him to, I wanted him to do well. I had questions, but I, I, I was really excited this year. So I'm, I'm so much on... I'm so much on your side on this. Trust me. My, my biggest thing is, though, I think only one of them will be playing with the Lakers next year. I don't know which one, but... Yeah. I, I feel like, especially with David Griffin going to the Pelicans... Mm-hmm. That that that's immediately someone who will be willing to talk to the Lakers, because David Griffin is not smart enough to alienate anyone in this league. And I don't know if you saw him on NBA TV. I this did. dude is high on Brandon Ingram. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. For good reason. For good reason. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think that I think that may have signaled. Yeah, okay. That, that that there's a there's a chance for that, which is why the Monty Williams you know uh, coaching rumors. Also made a lot of sense. I said, ah, okay, okay. It, it's all it, adding together now. Connected dots at some point. I, I honestly thought, A, I, I know 
some people in the coaching circles, I don't want to say names, but I know some people, you know, within NBA coaching circles, um, they were like, dude, we couldn't believe that the Pelicans turned that deal down. That's like historic levels of crazy what the Lakers offered them. Exactly. Like, to be honest with you, like, that's actually what disappointed me the most because it's like, wait a second. These, like, everybody out there was saying, oh, well, that package still sucks. It's like, stop it. Stop it. If they were truly offering all of that, New Orleans would be crazy to turn it down. And if that actually took place, they are crazy. Well, according to everything that was reported, which I've no doubt, like, not believing because I feel like at that point, if they're reporting that the Pelicans did, didn't want to entertain it, especially from Woj's side, because Woj yeah. seems to be very... not he's, he's not been really into the Lakers organization ever. But he was very tapped into the Pelicans' way of dealing because whenever the Pelicans needed something releasing, he'd release it straight away. Right when, away. There was loads of posturing going on during that trade negotiation. So I feel like that was a legit offer. And the fact that, A, they have football people dealing with that, which is ludicrous, like, that makes no sense. Second of all, how you don't accept that deal just for the chance that you can draft Jason Christ, as I like to call him, <laughs> as Pete Sayers has called him multiple times. Yeah. I can't claim that because the Pete Sayers... First time I saw that, I absolutely laughed out loud. I say, wait, does he talking about? Oh, he is talking about. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm 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 a huge Coach K fan, so I watch a lot of Duke games. I always thought that Jason Tatum was going to be a good player, but I have no idea where all this hype. I, he had two good games in the playoffs where he seemed like a star. All the rest, he was average. I watched every single Celtics playoff game last year. He's, mm-hmm. He wasn't this guy that they tried to make him out to be, in my it, opinion, anyway. People go with moments and narratives. They always have, it, you know, and, and moments and narratives are, th- think about, uh, you know, the, how social media packages stuff, moments and narratives. So if everybody goes with it, everybody goes along. I like Jason Tatum. I think he can be very good. And quite frankly, I think he was hurt by the fact that Hayward and uh, and Kyrie came back, you know, like into the mix this year. But yes, we, we also go overboard at, at times. Uh, j- just like just like folks go overboard on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, you know, being anti Laker young players. We, you know, the, we 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 speaking as a general NBA fans, we go overboard sometimes in hyping these young guys before they're quite you know at the level that we're trying to place them at. My my biggest thing is they they try to make out that Jason Tatum is a lot, lot younger than Brandon Ingram. He's six months younger. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they also try to say he was significantly better. And I, I, I said it before the year. I'll say it right now. No, he is not. I, I, I'd, put, I'd personally rather have Ingram than Tatum. And that's just as an objective NBA fan, not as a Lakers fan. If I could have a choice between Ingram and Tatum for a new franchise, give me Ingram all day long. Ingram defends better and has shown every bit as much promise on offense. Now, the shot, people are always going to talk about that. But I, I want to remind people, while, yes, the three-point shot is important in today's NBA, people still shoot other shots, and those other shots can still be effective. You Look don't have to be a three-point shooter. I'm sorry? Look at the Spurs. Look at the Spurs. Exactly. <laughs> These dudes win 48 games shooting the lowest amount of threes in the NBA. It's, it's ridiculous how the Spurs are maintained. There's another name for the executive. R.C. Buford. Oh, absolutely. 
never going to happen, but absolutely, <laughs> R.C. Buford is not leaving the Spurs to come to the Lakers. That's not going to happen. The only way I see that happen is if he knows that Popovich is leaving and he feels like the, the whole organization just needs a new voice from top to bottom. That's the only way I'd see him leaving the Spurs. But apart from that, I know Wolf was trying to put it out there, but I don't see that happening. Even if Pop leaves the bench, he's a spur for life. He's always going to be in that front office and in that mix. Like it, I, I would be stunned to ever see Pop leave or not be associated with the Spurs in some capacity. Yeah, and in I, a significant capacity. I feel like he's one of those people that will do it till till the day he dies. He'll be involved in some way. Yep. He'll be involved in some way. As he should. So, so where does that leave us? Where does that leave the Lakers? Do you think we'll do the right thing? Look outside the box. Look look for a candidate that has proven in the past that he can rebuild a franchise. He can create a dynasty. He's the best person for the job. Or do you think we go with Palinka? Listen, that you know that dream scenario that I laid out for you, I don't even think it's that hard to pull that off. So I'm still I got my fingers crossed for that. I, I I'm not gonna hold my breath for Bob Myers or one of those other, you know, big names, even though that would be nice. I would really like to see this. If ultimately they decide to do this, like I said earlier in the show, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. I hope a lot of folks are wrong about Palika because, my goodness, it certainly does not. I, look, I, I, I won't be too cute about it, but I'll say this. Uh, I, I don't know how old you are, but did you, did, obviously you know who Mike Tyson is. Were of you course, able to see him? Of course. Were you able to see him? an MMA fan as well, so. Oh, okay. So, if you were able to see, I, I, I remember the first time I watched the Buster Douglas fight. Okay. And I remember seeing, like, when he was on the floor, like, when he was on the, on the canvas, and he's, he, he gets on his knees, and he's, he's like, fumbling around looking for his, his mouthpiece. And I remember just screaming, just stand up. Stand up. Leave the mouthpiece. Forget it. That's where the Lakers have felt, honestly, since Dr. Buss passed away. And I don't mean that I don't mean that you know in the show on 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 a negative, but that's how it's felt. We got a little bit of uh, you know light at the end of the tunnel when Magic came into the fold, and when they were able to, especially when they were able to bring in LeBron, it was like, oh hey, maybe we are rolling again. But still, especially with the way this ended, especially with the way Magic left, especially with the way it just you know there, there's so much uncertainty, we still feel. And yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say we. I know that you know they say you're not supposed to whatever. We still feel like we're fumbling around looking for the mouthpiece instead of just getting up. So I don't know. I honestly don't know. The biggest thing with Jerry West is, even over the past 18, 20 months, even while he's been associated with the Clippers, mm. he's put out enough feelers out there that this dude wants to come back to be a Laker. He doesn't want to... Does Ideally, this... he wants to be part of our franchise. While the Clippers are making full use of him, still wants to be part of us. Does Jerry West strike you as a type of guy? And I'm this is I know the answer to this. You know that does he strike you as a type of guy that likes to lose? Hell that no. like that likes to be turned down? No. That wants to be shut out of the organization that he's loved his entire life? Come on that, now. That he created the Showtime era. Yes. He created Chuck and Kobe. He started the He was he was there trying to start over the whole new Kobe reign. Yeah. And then obviously the personal problems with him and Genie and Phil happened and he left the, the franchise acrimoniously. But it's been enough time where I feel like wounds can heal by that time. 
Look, like I said, do what it takes. Jeannie, I know, I know you're going to be listening to this, Jeannie, or your representatives. So hear me now. Hear Alan now. Do the right thing. <laughs> well, here's a question for you. We'll end on this question. All right. If Palinka does get the job, if Kurt Rambis does get some sort of position of power, which is like the nuclear like option, which is like, please, God, don't let this happen. Would, should, sorry, the Bus family sell the Lakers? Yeah, so. <laughs> a big question to end on, but a very interesting <laughs> one, nevertheless. That is it, but I can actually be concise about it. The Bus family selling the Lakers is a non-starter. Because I just don't think they're ever going to. And the reason why I say that, not only because it's the Los Angeles Lakers and because of how much they're worth, and because even in the worst stretch in the franchise's history, they continue to you know continue to you know to make money and be profitable. Um, but yeah, I just never see that taking place. But should your first question was should, and my answer is they should at least start considering it because if they're going to go that direction and, and going to just completely. Uh, you know, you know, I'm all honestly, it's almost a frustrating question to answer because I could see it playing out that way. But yes, the, you know, the, you know, the simple answer is they should consider it. But the honest answer is they'll never consider it because, again, you don't sell you. you the idea of selling the Lakers is like, OK, how much money can you get? Right. What yeah. would you want to buy with all that money? The Los Angeles Lakers, and, and I'm and I'm paraphrasing the late the late Dr. Bus with that. If if you have the money the, that you get from that sale, the only thing that you're going to want to buy, especially if you've already tasted that, is the Los Angeles Lakers. So yeah, I don't think I don't think I think like I said, I think it's a non-starter. I don't think they're ever going to really uh, consider that. Uh, I mean, my biggest thing is I don't think Jeannie seems like a bad person in the slightest. No, I, I feel like she's. We, we use the word naive use earlier to describe Magic Johnson and the way he dealt with the president of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jeannie's very naive when it comes to trusting some of the people around her and not seeing the ulterior motives they have behind it, like Rob Palinka. Yeah. I, I feel like she just sees a guy that, that's been around a while now that she can trust. She doesn't see the fact that this guy just using her to get power in the biggest NBA team in the world. It at least seems like that from the outside looking in, but part of me feels like, man, if you're a genie, you've been in this situation your entire life. You grew up in the organization. You grew, you know, like you know, Dr. Bus, you know, you know, you know, bestowed everything, you know, everything, all of his tricks of the trade you know, upon you. There's got to be some of you that at least says, "Well, hold on, wait a second. Maybe, you know, maybe she is, you know, listening to him. But there's got to be part of her. And and look, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I, part of me feels like there's got to be part of her that at least is looking at it, saying, maybe it is time to re- press reset and just start, you know, you know, start this thing over again. I'm hopeful at least. We have a saying from my home country in Bosnia: "From your mouth into God's ears." There you go. <laughs> that, that that that's that's the dream that's the dream yes we'll, we'll end it there anyway can you just tell people where to find you on twitter how to get a hold of you you know just so they can continue this conversation if they like to on social media and whatnot absolutely uh first can i uh, thank you again for this opportunity um anytime. i, I, you know, I, anytime. I you're more than welcome to come on again 
I, and and I will moving forward this summer. Just reach out to me. Um, but no, like you know, th- thanks again. This this was a lot of fun. It's always great. I don't always get to just to like, actually you know speak from the heart when it, when I'm when I'm talking about the Lakers because on the show, like as you mentioned, hot takes and shot fakes. But as you mentioned, we you know I try to keep it you know even keel and I, and, and I try to present as as you know, as professionally as possible. But I you know th- so I thank you for this opportunity. Twitter's best place to find me. Jabari at Jabari Davis NBA. Um, you know, you, as you mentioned, I do a, a show that I love doing with you know, jo, you know, with uh, Josh Everly and uh, Justin Oppenheim. You know, called Hot Takes and Shot Fakes for Hoop Mag. Um, at times, I'm you know, like I'm in the actual magazine as well as on the website. So check you know, check it out there as well. Thanks again, man. Anytime, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you to the listeners for listening in. Hopefully, we'll be bringing you another podcast in a couple of days. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.